This is Linux Reality, Episode 7, Burning ISOs. Hey everybody, this is your host, Chess Griffin. Welcome back once again. Uh, this is Episode 7 of Linux Reality, and we're going to pick right up where we left off last week. Uh, last week we were talking about downloading ISO images from various distribution websites and such, and what we're going to talk about this week is how to take those ISOs and burn them onto a blank CDR. Uh, so I've actually got quite a bit of stuff to talk about here. So um, before we get to all that, let me uh, mention a couple of uh, sort of administrative items. First, there are, there's a post uh, that I put up on the website a couple of days ago about some new uh, resources that were uh, that I wanted to point out to folks. The first one is a website called linuxbasics.org, and um, this is a website really devoted to uh, uh, providing help to you know new Linux users. They've got some great tutorials and tips and articles, and they've got a really fantastic mailing list and community. I think they also are on IRC chat a lot as well. So definitely check them out. I would really consider subscribing to the mailing list. Uh, it looks like they've got a lot of good uh, a, a lot of good folks on that mailing list to provide help. The second one is our friend John Watson. He's the fellow who used to do the um, the old Linux user show and now is doing Jack Attack. Um, has put up a website where he's going to start posting videos. I think that's pretty cool. He's going to like post videos walking through the steps of doing different things. I mean, he'll have different videos on different topics. So um, that uh, that's called the Linux learning station and i will of course put a, another link to both of those sites in the show notes to this episode so do check those out and i think i'm going to go ahead and make a little announcement here um several folks had asked for forums and i'd really debated the issue in fact i was kind of chatting about it with someone at one point and i was kind of then leaning towards not doing it and um you know the thinking is there's so many great forums out there and other resources like linux basics for example and linuxquestions.org that I didn't want to just reinvent the wheel. So, um, but, uh, you know, enough people asked me about it um, that, you know, there seemed to be some interest. I don't think it was overwhelming. But uh, so what I thought I'd do is put up some forms as sort of like an experiment. And I kind of view these forms as more of a community forum. I mean, it, in other words, not necessarily a place to go and ask for help, although that, you know, certainly, you know, if people ask questions, hopefully folks will will help them out, but more as a way for us to kind of get to know each other, you know, discuss the episodes, just kind of discuss Linux in general, just sort of a, sort of like a, you know, a town square, if you will. I mean, I'm going to break it out into a couple different segments on the forums, but anyway, do check for that, and that will be up uh, on the next couple of days, but if you do need help, you know, specific help for with Linux, I do encourage you to, to go to linuxbasics.org or to linuxquestions.org, you know, as a, as a good place to go for help. So anyway, uh, keep your eye out for those forums. Message for you, sir. Okay. And then, uh, you know, last week I played that first audio feedback, and, and after that I got three this week. So I thought that was really cool. So I'm going to play all three here. Uh, this first one is from Jason. Hello, Chess. Jason Landry here, one of your listeners. And uh, you'll see on the Frapper map that I reside in Strasbourg, France. I'm originally from San Jose, California. And I think you've got a really strong uh, show uh, evolving here. I think uh, your website's very good, and I think the episodes are shaping up to be very good. 
And uh, in this last episode six, I'm really starting to discern kind of a, you know, a familiar and consistent format that that's shaping up, and I really like it. Uh, just two comments on the uh, pronunciation. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's Ubuntu as well, so count that as a, count that as a vote for Ubuntu, if you will. And also, I, I heard on a video once it was a uh, an executive from Sousa, uh, a German individual, an executive, you know, from the original Sousa, and he was pronouncing it Sousa, just like Susie but with an A, Sousa. So whatever for whatever that's worth. Well, just to close out, Chess, I appreciate the great work you're doing, and uh, I'm looking forward to episode number seven. Bye-bye. Well, thank you, Jason. Uh, that was really great for you to send that uh, audio feedback along, and thank you for the comments on the on the uh, episodes and on the website and the sort of the consistency of the episodes, I guess. That is something I've really been aiming for. I've tried to sort of create a sort of a standard model for each episode, sort of, you know, and I, I will be adding segments um, as we go along. I've got a couple more in mind for sure that I'll be adding at some point. Um, so, you know, things will probably expand. Thank you for, for noticing that. I do appreciate it. And the pronunciation, yeah, I guess, uh, you know, several other people also emailed me. So it definitely is Ubuntu, and I'm going to try. So I uh, can't promise, but I will try. And Sousa, I agree with you. That's kind of the way I always say it, Sousa, with the A at the end. That's what I, you know, as I said, I'm a former Sousa user. So I agree with you. That is, that's what I have heard as well. So thanks, Jason. Uh, the next one here we got is from Jeff. Hey Chess, what's going on? This is Jeff, and uh, just want to tell you I'm really enjoying your podcast. Uh, you do a great job. Uh, always look forward to, to new episodes. Um, not quite a new user of Linux. I've uh, been using it now for a little bit, but still always enjoy the show, and you know, always learning something new. That's that's for sure. Um, I'm a Ubuntu user, or Ubuntu, or however you want to say it. <laughs> I know that's kind of a um, a debate of how to say that, but anyways, um, I use that, and um, also I have a website. It's uh, technocool, T-E-K-N-O-K-O-O-L dot net. If anyone would be interested in checking it out, um, it's kind of a, a site with geeky stuff, and I put Linux stuff on there, and and actually, and I'm actually adding a, a Linux section, um, uh, kind of with some information and such. So feel free, you know, if anybody wants to check that out, be great. But uh, enjoy the podcast and uh, keep up the great job. Talk to you later. Bye. <laughs> well, thank you, Jeff. See, I'm not the only one who says Ubuntu, but uh, <laughs> and uh, thank you for the uh, comments on the podcast. And th- even though this podcast is certainly aimed at, at new users, there's a lot of veterans who are listening to it as well. So uh, that's that's great. It'll definitely keep me on my toes. Uh, and do check out uh, Jeff's website. It's very cool. So uh, please do check that out. Technocool.com or .net. Sorry. Uh, okay, and the last audio feedback we got here is from Ben. Hey, Chess, this is Ben May here. Probably one of your first Australian listeners to ring in or leave a message for you anyway. I was just looking on the frap map and I cannot believe that there's actually somebody in the same town as me who's posted on the for- on the board as well as me. Uh, someone called Alan. It's a tiny town that I live in, so isn't the internet a wonderful thing? Anyway, I love your show. I've been using Linux for a couple of years now. I'm only... 17, and I run a few servers and file servers around the house, and proxy server and web server, all that sort of stuff that I'm sure you're going to cover. I really like, uh, it's a K12 LTSP, the Linux Terminal Server Project. It's such a cool idea. You have to talk about it in one episode, and also uh, I run it at home. And Fedora Cords, probably my favorite distribution for a server or desktop. Keep up the good work, and I really enjoy the show. Thanks. 
Thanks, Ben. Um, you are definitely the first Australian to send some audio feedback. Isn't that wild that, uh, that, that there's somebody else on the Frapper map from your own small hometown? That's just... That's just incredible. I mean, you know, I know I said it last time that it's just amazing to see them look at the Frapper map. I think we're at 300 now or so, and uh, uh, to see where everybody's from, and, and it just, you know, and then Ben seems to see, see somebody from his own town. So uh, that's pretty cool. And, you know, about the um, Linux Terminal server project, yes, I am very well aware of that. I've never tried it, but it is very cool. In fact, Ben, I would recommend you go to the Linux Link Tech Show and go back into their archives. They interview the guys that started that up, not the K-12 version, but I think the actual LTSP. It's my understanding the LTSP is, is like a really thin client type of, uh, type of project where, you know, all the applications and things run on the server and the clients just connect and, and the applications are sort of run over, over to the clients. And, um, anyway, it's just, it's really, really a neat project. And I think it probably will be something we talk about at some point, probably a little ways down the road, but I think that's a great idea. So thanks to all three of you for sending that audio feedback. I really do appreciate it. See, that's just really cool. I love hearing, hearing folks, uh, talk. It just really makes things a lot more personal. So, all right. And I guess that wraps up the, uh, feedback section, so um, we should probably turn to the main topic of discussion, and that is about burning ISOs. All right, well, as I said at the sort of the top of the show, uh, as you remember, last week we talked about downloading ISOs. We actually talked about way to, ways to get ISOs. We talked about purchasing the retail boxes and purchasing CDs from, like, you know, LinuxCD.org and, you know, those kind of third-party places that will sell you burned CDs with distributions on them. But the third option was to just go and download it yourself. And so that's what we're going to focus on today. Let's, you know, assume, you know, you've downloaded an ISO. And then the next question is what to do with it. Before I get into the actual burning, a couple a couple of things first to talk about. The first one is, and I touched on this last time, uh, getting blank CDRs, um, you know, the 700 megabyte kind. In terms of a brand, I think there's, I mean, you know, there's all, there's so many brands. I don't really have any particular favorite one way or the other. Some folks I know use CDRWs, CD rewritables, and rather than CDRs, I think, you know, the thinking is, and it's, it's a good thought that rather than waste CDRs, you know, you can keep reusing a CDRW. And I think I've done that a couple of times. I think I've had some, some, a couple of not very good results. Like it just didn't really burn correctly or something. And, and so feel free to check that out. But I recommend, you know, regular good old CDRs, 700 megabytes. And those those will serve you well. Uh, certainly, I don't think you need to spend money on the on the highest end brand, but I don't I don't know if I'd get a no name brand either. But just get yourself a good stack of blank CDRs because you will probably end up using a lot of them, and then you can you, you know you're good to go. The other little point that I was going to talk about, and it's actually not that not that little of a point, I guess, but when you download an ISO, you know you've got a 600 plus megabyte sitting a file sitting on your computer. And you need to, you know, burn that onto a blank CD. But before you do that, what I strongly recommend, and this is this is optional, but it's really recommended, is that you should ought, you really ought to check the MD5 sums of those ISOs. So of course you're asking, what well, what does that mean? The MD5 sum is a string of alphanumeric characters that is generated by a program uh, 
that the district, you know, the distribution maintainers, you know, let's say they've created their CD, they're ready to release it to the public. They'll run a little program, and it will look at that file, that ISO file that they're about to put up on the server, and it will calculate an MD5 sum. An MD5 sum is kind of like it's kind of like a checksum, if you know what that is. It's it's like a fingerprint. It looks at the data on the disk, and it creates a string of alphanumeric characters that is unique to that particular ISO file. Every single one will be different. It's like a mathematical algorithm, and it just kind of goes through and pulls out random stuff and puts it through its, you know, <laughs> through its own little uh, calculation and spits out a long alphanumeric set of characters. And it's just a bunch of garbage, it looks like. But but what you do is you want to, so you see that on the website of the distribution, or sometimes it will be in a text file that you can download separately, just a little 1K text file, and it will have the MD5 sums within it. But you then when you download the ISO, the idea is that you have an, uh, you have an MD5 sum program on your own computer, and so you tell it to calculate the MD5 sum of the file that you just downloaded, and it will spit out a long bunch of characters, and you compare them. You compare what you came up with with what's up on the website. And if they're the same, then you know that your download was was, was good. And if they're not the same, then that means something got corrupted, and you might as well re-download it. I mean, don't, in other words, don't waste your time burning it onto a blank CDR. Don't waste a CDR on a file that's that's been corrupted or is incomplete or something like that. Now, Linux and... Mac OS 10 actually have the ability to calculate MD5 sums built in. In the Mac, you've got to go down into the terminal, but I'm going to point you to a little program, a GUI type, you know, regular program that will do it for you. In Windows, I don't believe that Windows has this capability built in. So I will point you to a program that I've never, I have not used because I don't use Windows, but I've heard other people mention it. It's called MD5 Summer. S-U-M-M-E-R, and the website is md5summer.org, and it's a free little application that you download, and, you know, you click open, and you open up the ISO, and it will then calculate an MD5 sum, and then you can compare it to what you see up on the distribution's website or in the little text file that you downloaded alongside the ISO and compare the two. There's a, there's a program for the Mac called Checksum Plus, with you know, the actual plus sign, and I'll, of course, put a link to that as well. Same kind of thing. It's a little GUI application that will um, calculate the MD5 sum, and then, you com- and then you compare the two. It's strongly recommended that you do this. It is optional. I mean, you can just kind of roll the dice and assume that your download was okay and just go ahead and burn onto a blank CDR. But I think the good practice is to check the MD5 sums just to get in that habit because I have definitely had downloads where the MD5 sums did not match, and it got corrupted for some reason or another, and it, you know, it looked complete. It, it was 650 megabytes or something, and so I, it, you know, without knowing otherwise, it would look fine. But I checked the MD5 sums, saw that they were incorrect, and so I re-downloaded. So that's that's I would recommend that. Okay, so now you've you've you know checked the MD5 sum. Everything's um you know all set. Everything computes and everything looks good. So you're ready to burn the ISO. The long and short of this is that you've got to have a CD burning application in Windows or in Mac OS 10 or whatever to burn that ISO onto a blank CDR. Now most CD burning programs that I've seen in the past. 
you know, a lot of times they have a little wizard or something that will walk you through, you know, do you want to create an audio CD or do you want to create a data CD? And obviously we're not creating an audio CD, but we're not creating a data CD, at least not the way these programs tend to define that. You know, when you when you select create data CD, what it's doing is it's basically just creating a, it's almost like a floppy disk. It's just a, an empty repository where you can dump files and then you can copy 600 megabytes or 700 megabytes worth of files, you know, your own personal data and, and save it, if you will. I mean, it will burn it and it will, you know, fixate the, the disk and all of that. But uh, basically you will just have a, uh, a CD-ROM that when you pop in just has a bunch of files on it. And that's not what we want to do because if you think about it, you have the single ISO file, let's say it's 700 megabytes, and if you were to do that same process I just described, you would have a, a CDR that's burned with the ISO file on it. And, and, you know, that's not what you want. What you want, remember last time I mentioned that the ISO it's an image, it's a snapshot image of the whole structure the, of the file tree that m comprises that CD-ROM. So you want to have a process where it, you know, unpacks the ISO, so to speak, and creates the file structure and creates the stuff needed to make it bootable and puts it all onto the blank CDR. You don't want to create, you don't, you don't want to just copy the one file. So when you go through these programs, each one does it differently, but look for, what you're looking for is, is like burn ISO or create ISO or something like that. Burn disk image, maybe. You know, they all kind of descri describe it differently, but that's what you're looking for is a way to burn the ISO image and recreate the entire structure onto the blank CDR. Now in Windows, Windows does not have the capability to burn ISOs out of the box, so to speak, meaning if you just have regular Windows installation and no additional special software, it does not have this capability. You've got to add something to it. Now, if your computer came with a CD burner, there's a good chance that there's some, you know, there's some free freebie software already included that will that that's a CD burning application. I think in the past they used to include Easy CD Creator and, you know, I don't know. But there might be something on there already. So, you know, I would check, look through your programs on your computer. This is Windows I'm talking about. And see if there's a disk burning program. And if so, see if it has the ability to burn ISOs. Because not every CD burning application or, or you know, CD writing application has the ability to burn ISOs. So... Even if something came with your computer, you know, try it and see if it has this capability. And if not, you'll need to get something else. If you don't have it, or if what you do have doesn't work, then you'll need to go out and get a program that will burn ISOs. And I will have some links to some ideas in the show notes. One of these, uh, you know, one of these possibilities or one of these things you might want to use for Windows is a neat little thing called ISO Recorder. And it's like a, it's almost like a little plugin, if you will. It's not a full-blown application. What you do is you download it and install it, and it will add an entry in the context menu of, you know, the context menu when you right-click on something. The menu that pops up is called a context menu because it changes based on the context of what you're doing. You know, what is in that menu will be different depending on, on the actions you're taking. So it will add... I, 
I believe, I've never used this because, again, I don't use Windows, but I've looked at the website and other people have told me this, that what it will do is it will add an entry in your context menu. So you would, you know, after you have this installed, you would just right-click on the ISO image and there would be a new menu entry saying burn ISO or something like that. That is really cool because that's just a quick quick little way to do it without needing to load up and run a big old application just to burn an ISO. So I would check that out. Um, you know, I've looked at the website and they have one. I think it only works with Windows XP is one problem. And they have different versions for XP Service Pack 2 and, and for versions prior to Service Pack 2. So, But that looks like a neat little option. A couple other options in Windows are Nero, which is a pretty well-known application, and Alcohol. Uh, it's like Alcohol 120% or something. Both of those applications are commercial applications that you have to purchase. But I looked at the websites, and they both have free download trials, like 15-day trial or 30-day trial. So you could always download those and try it out and burn some ISOs and see if they work. And if so, you might want to consider keeping those um, keeping those applications. In uh, Mac OS X, and uh, you know we we have one of those machines here in in our house, an iMac. I don't really use it uh, either, so I had to actually go and and pull it up and and take a look at it again. But they, you know, the in uh, OS X there is an application included called Disk Utility. If you go into the Finder and you click on Applications and you open up the Utilities folder, there's a program in there called Disk Utility. And that does have the capability to burn ISOs. And I've actually used it a couple times in the past, and it works fine. Um, it would be neat if it had a way to calculate MD5 sums. It can calculate some other kind of checksum, and I tried to get it to calculate an MD5 sum, and maybe there's a way to do it, but I couldn't figure it out. So I will, you know, put, you know, so that's why I mentioned the checksum plus a few minutes ago when I was talking about the MD5 sums. You can download that uh, for the Mac, and it will calculate the MD5 sum. Then go into Disk Utility. That's in the Applications uh, Utilities folder, and you'll see you know two panes, kind of like the Finder. And um, drag, just click and drag your ISO image into the left pane, and it will appear there. And then just click on it once to select it, and then there will be a little icon up in the bar up top. And that will light up, and it will say burn, and it looks like a little um, yellow and black wheel. And you just put in your blank CDR and click burn, and off it goes. And uh, that works fine. Um, so for the Mac, you don't need to go out and get something else to burn the ISO, if you have OS 10, that is. Uh, and let me pause right there and when I was talking about the Macs, because I was thinking about this um, before, when I was talking about Macs before, and when I kind of talked to Mac users who may be listening, I'm I'm not talking about Linux on the Mac. Some Linux, you, there are Linux distributions that are available for the Macintosh platform, for the old Macintosh platform, the, the PPC, not the new Intel's. But uh, so if you have if you if, if you've been thinking about using Linux on your Macintosh, that's definitely possible. That's not something I'm going to be focusing on in this podcast, maybe at some point down the road. A lot of what we talk about will be applicable because, you know, for example, a lot of the programs are the same and and the distributions, you know, Ubuntu has a Mac version and an Intel version, you know, for PC, and they are the same. 
And uh, so, you know, a lot of what we talk about may be applicable, but I will not be talking about installing Linux onto a Macintosh. So I'm kind of envisioning people who have a Mac and a Windows PC at home and are thinking about using the Mac to burn the ISOs and but are planning to put the Linux on the Windows PC. Hopefully that makes sense. And then a listener named Bill uh, emailed me. Um, he had a good point. Uh, I don't know if it's necessarily applicable to everybody, you know, who are you know new users out there who only have Windows, but he wanted me to mention a great program in Linux to burn ISOs called K3B, and it is a fantastic application. It's probably the best. Um, and it is a CD burning program. It does audio CDs and data CDs and will burn ISOs. His thought was that what you could do to create ISOs, so let's say you have Windows, is you know order one of these CDs from like you know LinuxCD.org, install Linux, and use K3B to create your ISOs. And that's possible, I guess. Um, you know, my thought was, well, if, you know, you might as well just you might as well just order the CDs of the distributions you want from CD from LinuxCD.org. But um, but but he has a good point that that is, you know, K3B is probably much better than most of these other uh, alternatives in Windows. Uh, so that's a possibility. Uh, you could even use perhaps a, a live CD. You know, if you have two CDs. CD, CD, um, you know, you have a CD-ROM in your computer and also a separate CD writer, let's say. One possibility would be to purchase one of the live CDs from these third-party, like LinuxCD.org, boot it up, and then from within the live CD, download an ISO and burn it using your other CD, you know, rewriter. That's a possibility, I guess. But anyway, those are all various options, and, you know, I can't give, you know, precise instructions on one particular program because everybody's going to, you know, people may use different things. But the big thing to realize is you don't want to select audio CD, of course, in your burning program. You don't want to select data CD, at least most of the time. You know, some of these applications may, may call data CD ISOs or vice versa. But what you're looking for is an option to burn ISO or burn disk image or something like that. You will just then select your ISO file and then click burn or, you know, uh, proceed or whatever, and it will work. It's pretty straightforward. Once you've done it a couple of times, it's really pretty easy. And, you know, basically what you're doing is you're downloading an entire CD image from a distribution's website. Then you will also download a little text file, MD5 some text file, or you will make a note of the MD5 sum on the distribution's web page. Sometimes it's just displayed on the web page. Then, after downloading, uh, I would recommend checking the MD5 sum on what you downloaded to make sure it's not corrupted. And then the third step would be to burn that ISO onto a blank CDR. So that's, in a nutshell, how you burn these ISOs. And uh, I hope that you have found this helpful. So I think it's time to wrap up the show. Okay, well, thanks again for, for uh, listening this week. I really do appreciate it. Thank you for sending the emails and the voicemails, the audio feedback. Uh, if you want to contact me, send me an email or audio feedback to linuxreality at gmail.com. I really do appreciate everybody doing that. And uh, 
thank you so much. Uh, keep an eye on the website because the forums will be up in the next couple of days. If you haven't added yourself to the Frapper Map, please do that. Uh, that is really growing. It's amazing to see where everybody's from. Um, next time, again, we're going to sort of continue this little process here, and we're going to go uh, check out PC Linux OS. So what I would like to propose is that everybody go to PC Linux OS, download their main general release, you know, not the ones with the ATI drivers or the NVIDIA drivers, download the little MD5 sum text file that, that goes with it, check it, and then burn it onto a CD-ROM. And together next week, we will boot up PC Linux OS, and I'll kind of walk through the initial booting and, and logging in phase. So stay tuned for that. Thanks again so much for listening. This has been Episode 7 of Linux Reality. I really do hope everyone has a great week. Catch you guys next week. Take care. Bye-bye.